You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Good morning. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the awesome presence of God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. God is great and greatly to be praised. Am I the only one that believes that on today? Come on, let's put them hands together and bless his name. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I'm so happy not to be preaching on Zoom. I don't know what to do. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for an invitation to be with some of my favorite brothers and sisters on the planet. I am so grateful to be back home in Birmingham Beast and Divinity School is up the road, so I am at home. And then the Advent, you also graciously made me your sister many years ago. And I told your distinguished dean, and thank you for today's invitation, that whenever you invite me, unless I'm in another country, the answer will always be yes. I thank the Lord for the opportunity to preach the gospel because we don't preach in our own strength. We preach because of those twins called Grace and Mercy. You can never be prepared enough or educated enough, popular enough to stand before God's people. So uh, Dr. Maurice Watson is right. God has placed his treasure in trash cans and I'm so thankful for that treasure on today. Let me thank the Lord for not only your rich legacy that I celebrate, but for many friends that have shown the hospitality of Christ many years this week. Carolyn and I had a great sister day out yesterday. Uh, Gil, who has been an encouragement to me over the years, and your distinguished dean, we are so thankful for God's work in you and for our friendship. And to beasts and faculty and staff, I see some of my superheroes here today. I honor you and remain on your shoulder. Well, we won't keep you too long, mostly when black preachers say that, we're not telling the truth. But I want to make sure that we get you out of time. <laughs> Good to see you, my friend. I want to make sure we get you back to lunch on time or to class or to your agenda so we won't keep you too long. But I do welcome your hugs. And come and see us at Grace College. We celebrate what God is doing there. And I'm so humbled to partner with my Grace family and what God is doing in Winona Lake. Please pray with me. God, this is not my hour. This belongs to you. Preach for me. I pray that if anyone is discouraged or despondent or in despair, that they will be reminded of the God who cares. Bless and refresh the Advent. Thank you for making us family. Thank you most of all for the cross that ensures that we are family today. Bless your word. Empower and encourage us. Challenge us and inspire us to run on. In the matchless name of the one who is and was and is to come, we pray. Amen. If you have your Bible or Bible app, no judgment. I like the Bible and Bible app. Meet me in 1 Samuel chapter 1. First Samuel chapter 1. If you have it, please say amen. And she kept on praying. Let's stop there. Let's simply tag this text, pray on, pray on. If I can give us the Cliff Notes version of this text, it will go a little something like this. In this text, there is a problem. 
in this text, uh, there is a painful uh, predicament. In this text, there is a prayer. And in this text, there is a praise report. And so I just gave you the skeleton, so if we run out of time, you can go home and put the meat on the bones. How about that? What is your uh, painful predicament? What is your problem? Don't kid me now, I know we're at the advent, and I know this is a community that is affluent, but even those that are, of us that have been blessed, that does not mean that we escape problems or painful predicaments. What is your problem? I won't ask you to answer that out loud, but students are teaching me the importance of pausing to process as we learn. So can you think silently for a moment? Sis, my brother, what's your problem? What's your painful predicament? Hannah in our text has a problem and a painful predicament. What's her problem, Kokisha? Well, I'm glad you asked. The problem is that she is barren. And if you read the entire pericope, it says that the Lord is the reason is that, that she is barren. The Lord has closed up her womb. And so I want to ask today, where are you barren? And where has God sovereignly closed up your womb? Many times we assume that when God has us in a precarious predicament, uh, that there is sin. Sometimes people think, you've done something wrong. But because I enjoy shattering prosperity preachers' theology that is based on, if you do this, God will do this, which is heresy, then we have to say that if God has decided to close something up, that we can trust his judgment even if we don't understand it. Amen? God's godness is not based on Kokesha, praise the Lord. Because sometimes I'm an extrovert and sometimes I'm an introvert. Sometimes I have long hair and sometimes I have short hair. Sometimes I'm a people person, sometimes I just want to be left alone. Sometimes I get it right, sometimes I put it in the ditch. How about you? Even on my best day, I'm imperfect, how about you? And even though I've become a dean and I thank the Lord, I tell them daily, I'm a preacher, not a dean, but keep deaning me, keep deaning me. I want you to know I'm still in need of God's grace. I haven't arrived. And I pray that none of us believes that our money, our power, our positions, our platforms means that we have come to a place in life where we escape painful predicaments and problems. Your distinguished dean and my friend and I, we talked a lot about challenges past and present in our lives that have given us more seasoning. I told them I'm from the South, I love gumbo and I got the proof. I can't imagine gumbo without sausage and chicken and okra. Where are the foodies? I can't imagine a little dash of hot sauce in Indiana. I'm like, I hope this doesn't bother you, but is there any hot sauce in the house? I like flavors, and what I've come to know is that wounds and life and suffering gives our, our lives seasoning. When students make an appointment to see me and they're spazzing out, Miss Kokesha, Miss Kokesha, I'm about to graduate. I don't know what I'm going to do. My mother wants me to major in this, but this is what I want to do. My pastor thinks that I should do this, but this is what I want to do. Are there racial tensions that I don't know what to do with? I'm like, baby, hold on, take a breath. It's okay when things are not okay. And I want to say to someone today, that feels bad for feeling bad, that it's okay when things are not okay. Because in our text, things are not okay for Hannah. If you're taking notes, Hannah has a sorrow. Say, Hannah has a sorrow. 
All right, I'm bringing some black church up in here. We like call and response. This just means you're helping me preach on today. Real quickly moving through this text, uh, the Cliff Notes version is that there is a precarious predicament, there's a painful problem. Hannah cannot have a baby. Hannah has a sorrow. I don't know who I'm talking to on today, but I want to apologize on behalf of church leaders, family and friends that have made any woman feel bad for not having a baby. Hannah knows that sorrow, and so do women in this millennium, because in the Bible day and today, but especially in the Bible day, if you didn't have a baby, you were considered a failure. If you didn't have a son, you were even beneath, beneath that, probably one step above a dog, and in some families, probably under the dog. Uh, if you didn't have a baby, you didn't have 401k or the promise of a future. And so here she's in a family with two wives. And don't try that now, my brothers. I want to I wanna say Tim Keller says she was probably sorrowful because there was one, more than one wife in the house. Uh, amen to that. But according to this text, she's in sorrow because she wants a baby so desperately. Not only can she not have one, but the other wife in the house is supremely fertile and always pointing out to her, nah, 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 I had a baby, you can't. I had another baby, you can't. She goes to her husband and says, I'm heartbroken because whenever we go up to worship, your other wife is always reminding me of what I don't have. And in today's context, it would be posting on Instagram or Facebook, look who can't have a baby. And I want you to know this text teaches us the voices that we have to rise above. In this season, many of us are having to rise above uh, comments that people make when they assume if you're black, you must believe all of this politically. I, I rise above every day with God's help. But maybe you're rising above what all people think of white people and saying, hey, that may be something that happened to you, but I'm not responsible. Or maybe you're like me, a woman with no children that has now 1,200 children at Grace College and rising above the questions of, when are you and Tim going to have a baby? When are you going to have a baby? I want you to know, uh, in the black church, we probably, our strong code is probably not um, sugarcoating. So I want to say on behalf of women that either don't have children and are fulfilled, that can't have children but you don't know the story, or that don't want children because they plan to adopt or enjoy mentoring to cut it out. I hope being close to 50 gives me the grace to say cut it out because you don't know people's story. And what if you're constantly asking people, when are you going to have a baby and they cannot produce a child? So imagine, here Hannah has a closed womb, and here she's being intimidated and humiliated by a rival in the family. I wish I had time to stop there, that sometimes the greatest rivalry is not at work in church, sometimes it's the people with your own last name. God is urging her to rise above her sorrow, predicated by someone in her own house. Then she goes to her husband and says, baby, I can't have a baby, and your other wife is always taunting me. And he says, why are you worried about her? I've given you a double portion. I wish I had time to talk at a women's conference. No, at a men's conference. To say as much as we love our husbands, there are some things that only God can give us. And here he is saying, don't worry about what you can't produce because shouldn't me loving you be enough? My brothers, I want you to know as good looking as you are, as strong as you are, and as much as we appreciate you and we collaborate, we don't compete with you, we need you. But there's some things your love cannot give us. 
And so I'm glad that the tension in the text is that here she has a wife in the house saying, you should be like me. The cultural norm is to have a baby so that you can have legacy and insurance. Then she has a husband saying, shouldn't loving me be enough? I want you to know that I love the fact that the movement of the text, if we had time, could move from Hannah's, Hannah's sor sorrow to Hannah's response. What the Bible teaches us is that you can only tap into certain power through prayer. I love that she doesn't respond negatively. She doesn't do an Old Testament Facebook post to clap back. She doesn't put her hand on her hip and point the finger and say, let me tell you something about yourself. She says, I am hurting, but the only one that could change my problem and precarious predicament is God. And then she goes down in prayer. My question again is, what's your problem? What's your precarious predicament? And how do you respond? Do you respond with a negative email? Do you respond by sitting on another pew? Do you respond with the mute, silent treatment? Or do you respond in prayer? Prayer is biblical. Prayer has benefits. Prayer has blessings. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Romans 12 and 12. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for, but as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Romans 8, 26. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, John 17 and 9. Behold, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. 3 John 1 and 2, prayer has blessings. Prayer has benefits. Prayer is biblical. There's the sorrow. She has a pitiful state. How do we know that it's pitiful? Because the text says that she stopped eating. She was so sad. Because I'm family, I can say, I identify with Hannah not having children. Where I don't identify is when sadness makes you stop eating. Just keep me in your prayers. Because I consider Texas a home. So uh, because of the African-American tradition, especially in preaching circles, if you're happy, we're going out to celebrate. If you're sad, we're going out to eat. Uh, if you got a, a new man, we're going to meet at Papa Do's seafood kitchen. And if he broke up with you, we're going back to Papa Do's. You got a new job or whatever it is. You got a new woman. You became a dean or you became a janitor. Whatever it is, girl, grab your pocketbook and let's go get a cupcake. I don't identify with not eating, but I can identify with being despondent. My question is, what has become a precarious predicament, a problem that's made you despondent? Are you a part of some social norms turned on its head? In the community, if you had no children, you are a nobody. What in this present day makes you feel like you're a nobody? If they could gather their kids and introduce their kids and talk about those things, imagine how lonely it felt. And this day, I'm having to call people that were the first African-American at their school or church to say, how did you do it? When you're called to be the first, it comes with blessings and burdens. How did you do it? And all of them are saying, you could do this, Kokesha. Get you, get you a therapist. <laughs> Go on vacation. Cling to the rock. But also have a strong prayer life. I'm asking us to learn from Hannah because Hannah went down as a kitty cat in prayer. But how many of you know when you stand up after being with Jesus who is the Christ, 
a kitty cat comes back up, standing up with all power. If you keep reading, it says, and Hannah made a vow, and before that, she stood up. We don't have time to unpack she stood up, but this means that Hannah went from being a woman of passivity to being a woman of activity. Anybody ever have a dream, but then something special happened when you moved from the dream to walking in your calling? Ah, Leslie knows something about that, from having a desire to be with you to now putting feet on her dream. I know something about saying, what would it be like to be in a traveling preacher and then God putting wind behind my back to do it? What is God calling you to do, Advent, in this season with an interim dean? You may go down in prayer, frustrated by what it's like to not have a full-time leader in this time that is so polarizing and frustrating and so many divides, but I dare you to pray and tap into the power that only comes from clinging to the rock. There is sorrow, there is a response, but if you keep on reading, I remember my grandmother used to say, you gotta trust God and keep on living. And now that I'm almost 50, I have to tell young people, oh, it's a problem now, but keep on living. You think it's a problem now, but just keep on living and watch God. Dr. Robert Smith Jr. of Beeson Divinity School says past experiences of God give us current day confidence with God. And I'm a witness, sometimes I look at my bookshelf at pictures and I say, God, today is a tough day as the only black person on this staff, but what you did for Sojourner Truth, <laughs> what you did for Frederick Douglass, what you did for Martin Luther King, what you did for Rosa Parks, do it for Kokesha LaShawn Bailey Robinson. I want that kind of power. And I move from worshiping my worry to looking up and seeing the God of all creation give me supernatural power. What's your problem? What's your predicament? And where can you respond in prayer? And if you flip over to chapter 2, You'll see we've moved from problem to response to prayer to praise report. And then she writes what Mary would call uh, Hannah's Magnificent. And I love how similar it is because in the New Testament, Mary went from how can this be to Lord let it be. Then her soul exploded in praise, uh, pinning the Magnificent. And here, many, many chapters before, Hannah, her forerunner, has a heart exploding in praise because God has turned her prayer request into a praise report. What's your problem? What's your predicament? Nothing is too hard for God. Pray on. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for encouraging us. We thank you that you are the God of the turnaround. Thank you, God, that we can trust your sovereign wisdom and judgment and forgive us for thinking that you've abandoned us because you don't answer on our own timetable. You never dilute your godness because your answer is no, but remind us that you're still the God that says, not yet. We leave from this place, but never from your presence because this text teaches us that you move us from woe to wow. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.